Hey, welcome to another episode of The Light of the Day. Stay tuned. Today we're going to be speaking of righteousness through the second Adam. So, we're going to get our scripture reading from Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to verse 21. Let's begin. Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Let's take that again. Verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteousness, or through one man's act, righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might bound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, as we read, we are speaking of righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Let's take a journey through the Holy Scriptures. Let's go into John chapter 1. Just so you have a foundation Last episode, we spoke on sin. Now, the things that we covered was more so specific types of sin, not necessarily what sin is, which is just anything that goes against God's nature, God's pleasure, God's commands, right? So when we go into John chapter one, we can find a little look into righteousness, now, righteousness is to be in a right relationship with the Father, God, 
Now, the reason why that is so important is because God is holy and he is set apart. Not only is he holy, but he is also a righteous judge, meaning that he judges sin. So to be made righteous or in right relationship with God is to your benefit. To be sinful or a sinner is to your detriment. But through Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ has imputed unto us righteousness, which comes by faith. We went over 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, which says that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Substitution. Now, the Bible lets us know in John chapter 1, verse 14 to 18, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Amen. The Bible says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Anything in this Christian life, especially your identity, it all comes with those two words, grace and truth. The reason why you need grace is because grace lets you into rooms that you wouldn't have been invited to based on your own personal merit. And truth sets you free from bondage. The Bible says Jesus told the Israelites that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now, they were a little bit confused on what that meant to be free because they said that, hey, they weren't anyone's slave. What do they mean by freedom? Do they need freedom? And then Jesus said that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus set us free from sin. What do I mean by sin? The condemnation of sin. Jesus set us free from the nature of sin, being enslaved to it. And Jesus also set us free from the consciousness or the identity of sin. What do I mean by the identity of sin? Well, the Bible mentions sinners 61 times, right? In the Old Testament. Or we could give 61 references, sorry. But a Christian isn't necessarily labeled once as a sinner in the New Testament. 67 times the New Testament labels a Christian a saint. A saint is someone who is in close relationship with God, regarded as holy, essentially set apart. Remember what the Bible says when Jesus um, reiterated what the Old Testament said? Be holy for I am holy. Right? Christians are regarded as holy and to be in heaven when they die. So essentially saints, which is the reason why Apostle Paul reiterated this. There's never been one time in the scriptures that Apostle Paul labeled Christians as sinners saved by grace. We were sinners and we became saved by grace. So our identity, our identity isn't in the past because all things have become new. It's not in the past identity of a sinner. That's who we were. Now, what is a sinner? Someone who lives a lifestyle enslaved to sin. It's not just simply someone who makes a mistake. No, 
A sinner isn't just merely a person who makes a mistake. And the reason I can say that is because scripturally, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, the righteous fall seven times or the just fall seven times and get back up again. So according to scripture, according to that reference, even the righteous person can fall seven times, but they're still identified as righteous. The Bible actually goes as far as to say in, I believe it's Ezekiel chapter 16, chapter 17, chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 16 is where I believe I'm going to quote. Um, let's actually go into it. Right? The Bible says in Ezekiel. If you guys don't mind, I'm, I'm going to slow down just because I, I feel as though I may be speaking a little fast. And sometimes it happens because I get so filled with, you know, passion about these things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So it's Ezekiel chapter 18. The Bible says, if you would permit me to read. This is a lot. <laughs> In verse 19, it says, yet you say, why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? Because the son has done what is lawful and right and has kept all my statutes and observed them. He shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of his transgressions, which he has committed, shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? Verse 24. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty. And the sin which he has committed because of them, he shall die. Amen. So if we start to read just the first part where it talks about the wicked. The Bible says that if the wicked person turns away from their wickedness, God considers them as righteous. Because they live because of the righteousness. Now imagine this. Imagine that it's not your own righteousness and your own human ability to keep the statutes and law and the requirements of God. But imagine that an intercessor comes before you, a mediator, appropriation for your sin, a perfect sacrifice who receives the just punishment of God, death, and gives you a clean slate. That's what Jesus does. Jesus takes your place as the wicked. He dies as the wicked, even though he's not wicked. 
but he dies in your stead so that you can live as the righteous. And all he asks you to do is continue his life as though you were him. The Bible says, Apostle Paul tells us that if I live, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So to be in right relationship with God, it's adherence to the person of Jesus Christ. Let's go into Romans chapter six, verse 11 and give you some confirmation. I love to give you some um, scripture verses, you know, just like a man of God said, I'm going to give you a belly full of Bible, right? So if we go into Romans chapter six, verse 11, um, let's start from verse seven. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It says to consider yourself dead to sin and consider yourself alive to God in righteousness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So it's important for us to remember that we are not fighting to be righteous. We abide in Jesus Christ. And because we're the branch and he's the good vine, he's the good shepherd, he's the vine dresser, he's the one that we're abiding in, his righteousness pours into us. You don't believe me? Then why are we called the body of Christ? If the head is holy, is not the body also holy? If the head is wonderful, isn't the body also wonderful? Amen. So let's go even into deeper depth with this. The Bible says to, in verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace we are not under the control of law we are under the control of grace hallelujah is that not a beautiful wonderful statement for you sin shall not have dominion over us because we're not under law we're under grace the law that we have is not the law of moses but the law of liberty in christ jesus jesus gave us one command Love one another as I have loved you. Isn't that so simple? The Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. The first Adam is the one that we know. The one that God created from the dirt, from the dust. In Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. But our Adam is the second Adam. Now, as we read in our first scripture reading in Romans chapter 5, you can go from verse 17. The Bible lets us know that the reason why human beings became sinners was not because of their own personal sin, 
alone, but because of the sin of the first human being, Adam. Why did I not say Adam and Eve? The reason why is because Eve wasn't the one necessarily held responsible. So it wasn't imputed to her. Adam was, which is the reason why God didn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you? God said, Adam, where are you? God called to Adam because Adam was the one that was held responsible. Okay. And because Adam's disobedience to God's command, not only disobedience, but even trying to hide it with fig leaves from an all-seeing almighty God. And Adam, I don't think Adam really knew the grandeur of God to that extent. Maybe he did, but the point taken is Adam sinned. And now everyone who came from Adam's loins came from Adam's seed, Adam's reproductive system. They inherit Adam's sin. They're sinners from the womb even though they have not yet sinned once. Even babies, you don't have to teach a baby to lie. We call it the human condition. Did you eat that cookie? No, but you see the crumbs on the baby's face. Or you don't have to teach a baby how to bite another child or to spit in another child's face. Did that little rascal ever have someone bite him or her? Or spit at him or her for him to learn that that's the wrong thing to do? No. Because the sin nature started young. Now, of course, there's they're not held accountable for it because they don't have the knowledge of it. Because they don't have the knowledge of anything. They can't even brush their teeth. If they have any. But regardless, because of the first Adam, everyone who came from the first Adam is by nature sinner. Now, the beautiful part is this. There's a second Adam. Amen. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to earth in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus wasn't sinful flesh, but he came in the likeness of it. What do I mean? Because Jesus didn't inherit things from Adam because Jesus didn't come from a man. Jesus came from God. What I mean is Jesus didn't come from a human. Jesus came from the almighty God. The spirit of the Lord came upon Mary and Mary became pregnant. And the Bible lets us know that Mary was a virgin. So Jesus was a miracle baby. He didn't inherit Adam's sin. So he's called the second Adam, I believe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 to 49. If you want, let's let's turn there right now because we're gonna about to, we're about to say something that's very, very deep, and I want you guys to really grasp this. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and we're gonna take our scripture reading from verse forty-five to forty-nine. All right, and the scripture says. And so it is written, the first, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, 
so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Hallelujah. When Jesus Christ came into your life, your birth, as the Bible calls it, being born again, was detached from the first Adam, but instead coming from the second Adam, which is why Peter went as far as to say that we're born of incorruptible seed, not of corruptible seed. When we were born the first time, we were born of corruptible seed. It was corrupted because the first human being, Adam, sinned. So all of his seed was corrupted seed because it wasn't pure. It was tainted with sin. But now the second Adam or the last Adam, Jesus Christ, his seed and all who are progenitors, all who come from him are as he is. Is Jesus pure? Yes. Is Jesus holy? Yes. Is Jesus blameless? Yes. Is Jesus perfect? Yes. So all of his seed are identified through him his, because of his sacrifice and because your adherence to him by faith causes the Holy Spirit to come to you and you become born again when your spirit is made anew. That's a miracle in itself. You don't believe me? Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. I'm just going to read to you some scriptures. And you'll see. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. Let's actually go as far as to say 19, verse 19 to 23. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 to 23. For it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him... To reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present to you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. And are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. The Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul just called the Christians in Colossus holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Verse 22. It's not because Paul called them that, but because... Christ called them that first. God recognizes as the, the saints of God, Christians, as that because of what Jesus did. Not because of our own behavior, whether we're nice or naughty, but because of Christ's sacrifice. Now his identity is imputed to you through faith. And the reason why that is so important to know is because when you know your identity that you've received from Jesus Christ, it empowers you to live it out. The Bible says in Psalms 82, they know not, neither do they understand, and they walk about in darkness. I have said, ye are, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die as mere men and fall as one of the princes. Why will they fall like one of the princes? Because they know not, neither will they understand. If you don't know what Jesus Christ did for you in this package called salvation, the reason why I call it a package is because it came with the gospel. Salvation is a part of the gospel. The reason I say it's a part is because it's the basis. But the full title of the gospel is, as Jesus calls it, the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It saves your soul. It's God's restoration plan, not just to save you from hell, 
but to save you from lack of fellowship with him. It's to restore and reconcile the union that was lost in the Garden of Eden. And now that that union is restored spiritually first, then it has to be progressively restored in the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit is already in reconciliation with God. But your soul, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to see what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A mental transformation is what needs to happen for your soul to walk in that identity. You need to let the word of God wash your mind. Let the word of God change the way you think. Because you're not a part of the first Adam anymore. Your identity is not found in the first Adam. The only thing left from the first Adam is your flesh. And the beautiful part about it is the Bible tells you that you can crucify your flesh's desires and its evil passions to where you're not struggling with certain addictions that you think is just normal. Let's just say a newsflash. Not everyone's struggling with sexual sin. Not every man is struggling with that. Not because they're homosexual or they're asexual or something but that's not a struggle everyone has once you come into your identity with christ you'll see that most of our struggles and most of our warfare is mental imagine you're a six foot man in a three foot kiddie pool but you're drowning you think that you need a lifeguard to jump in and save you no you don't need a lifeguard to jump in and save you you need somebody who loves you to tell you hey you're six feet literally stand up if you stand up, you'll see that you, it's easy for you to overcome the three-foot kiddie pool. The reason why you're drowning is because of lack of knowledge, ignorance. You don't know who you are. And because you don't know who you are, you live below the standard that's set. The Bible tells us this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. As long as a child remains a child, he is no different from a slave. He can't inherit all things because he doesn't have the maturity to. He doesn't know. So the same way that a slave has lack of freedom, a child who doesn't know maturity has lack of freedom too. They have to be controlled and told what to do and this and that and this and that. But you as a child of God, once you mature, you start to walk in the spirit. Not just hear the spirit tell you what to do and then you do it. But you walk in the spirit and the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. You allow the Lord to have the ability to delight in your work. Why? Because your work is empowered by his grace. You're not working to be righteous, but instead you're working because you are righteous. You're not producing fruit so you can be connected to Jesus. You're producing fruit because you are connected to Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will and it would happen for you. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit and your fruit will remain. The secret to the spiritual walk in Jesus Christ is abiding in Jesus Christ. Staying in his relationship, staying in fellowship with him, staying in communion with him, staying in his word, staying in faith, keeping your faith walk, protecting your times of intimacy with God, protecting your times of fellowship with other believers, speaking and honoring God's holy name, protecting your times of worship, protecting the times that you actually go to church. It's important to actually physically go to a church building. 
Although you might say, hey, Brother Kirby, you may not know this, but we're the church. Oh, yes, I know you're the church spiritually, but physically there is an actual building called the church. And I can say that there's an actual building called the church because that's where the believers congregate. And that's where Apostle Paul would tell the people to read his letters in the, in the front of those churches. So that's all to just say this. Listen, if you're a believer, understand this. When the Holy Spirit comes into you and he starts to work in you and starts to change things like an expert interior decorator, an expert counselor in the heart of your uh, 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 in the heart of your body like if he just starts to change things around the bible says in romans chapter 8 i believe verse 12 or verse 14 the bible says those who are led by the spirit of god it is them who are the sons of god if you allow yourself to be led by the holy spirit you will start to see that you enter into a realm that's very different than most of the christian experience that we see in america most of the christian experience that we see in western society and western culture is servant mentality, religious mentality. It's a mentality where they're spiritual on Sunday, but carnal on Monday, where they kind of turn on and off their spiritual walk. But when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you are led by the Holy Spirit, you enter into a realm called sonship, where you're not working for God as much as you're working with God. It's his grace where sin abounds, grace surabounds. And you start to see that his grace is what empowers you to be righteous. God gives you divine ability to where you can stop bad habits. He gives you divine ability to where he even changes the inner workings, the inner networking of your heart to where you don't even desire an addiction anymore. You don't desire to drink too much. You don't desire to play too many video games. You don't desire to watch pornography. You don't desire to do whatever thing that you feel is an addiction that you're going through because of his Holy Spirit. This is what he prophesied in Ezekiel when he said in Ezekiel that I will give you a new heart and I'll remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then the Bible says something else. Jesus, the, the Bible says that God said that he will put his law on your heart, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of your heart. And then on top of that, the Bible says that he would put his spirit within you and cause you to obey his statutes. It's not a struggle. The thing about a tree is a tree will grow by nature if it's positioned correctly. It doesn't need to force itself or struggle to produce fruit. It just needs to be positioned to where it can receive proper nutrition, proper nutrients, to receive photosynthesis, receive uh, proper soil and receive water, whether it be planted by a river of water, whatever it is. It just needs to be positioned right. In the same way, your identity positions you to walk this spiritual life. It's not this self-aggrandizement of gloating and saying I'm better than everyone, but it's instead looking into God's word and seeing, hey, this is what Jesus did for me. And because I know that Jesus did this for me, I can now live it out. So this is very important for us as believers to understand. I'm going to read something for you. It's Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Oh, actually, let's, let's, let's actually be bold. Let's read the entire Colossians chapter 2 to close out. Amen. Colossians chapter 2 says, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. I receive this in Jesus name. Lord, give us 
full understanding and full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Help me to go into deeper knowledges of the mysteries of God, Father, in Jesus' name, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's in Jesus. All the Godhead dwells in him bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcisions of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are shadow, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Amen. Father, thank you for revealing to us that your will for us is to step into what Christ has purchased for us to have. Nothing that Jesus bought, paid for me to have is too good for me to have. The reason why is because it's not because of my own merits, but because of his. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, may each person who is listening to this podcast, all of them, Lord God, may they all receive from you a different way, a new way, Lord God, a brand new way in their life, Father. Show them the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ and reveal to them, Lord, that you love them, that you know them, and that you want to save them, Father God. Not just saving them from their sin as you have on the cross 2,000 years ago, but saving them from a false identity that binds them in sin. 
Thank you, Father God, that you revealed to us that many times the chain that we have isn't a chain at all. It's floss. It's like a, it's like a thin, thin, thin piece of thread. And we didn't even know that we could break off free from it. But because we didn't know, we lived as though we were still bound as slaves, although we're free. Father, I thank you for giving us that freedom that you promised in uh, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, let that Romans 8 verse 1 live out in my life and in the lives of others. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, help me to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Help these people who are listening to me walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. I thank you, Father, for all of these miracles. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to The Light of the Day. I just want to say your support is very much appreciated. And every time that you like it, you share it, or you just give some feedback on it, it's very much appreciated. Now, I can't say every time because I can't see every time. But the things I do see, I appreciate. Follow me on Instagram, Kirby the Servant. I love you. God bless.